1: Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. With Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We are happy to be joined in studio today by our guy Jeremy Rutherford, Blues Insider for the Athletic. You can find him on Twitter. He's at
0: JP Rutherford. JR, what's up, man? Not too much. If I weren't in studio, I wouldn't notice that you need a haircut.
1: I do indeed. It is the longest that it's been since I was, I think, 13 years old. I don't know how to feel about it, but my fiancé likes it, and it's going to be good for
0: pictures, apparently. So here we are. Welcome to Getting Married, JR. Tanner, I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot in the last couple months of my fiancé this, and my fiancé wants to, and my fiancé needs. She's a great gal. She's wonderful. You're, and that's why you're Mariner, right? That's, that is yep. absolutely correct. But the reason I bring that up is because now you're uh, going through what we've all gone through. Mm-hmm. That, uh, life oh, I, have, I haven't experienced it yet. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. T- Tanner's still trying to get there. Uh, all right,
1: JR. Yep. Good game for the Blues last night. They find a way to get back on track after what had been a really rough eight game stretch for them, in which they won one game in regulation. They go down 2 nothing last night in the first period. They have two goals scored against them right away. And your reaction was what?
0: Yeah, you're thinking, you know what? They're not going to get traction. Like, this is uh, something that's going to linger for a couple weeks, if not the whole season. And I'm not basing that off a 2-0 deficit or, or one game, but what we've seen lately, they've gotten guys back in the lineup. Sunquist, they'll get Shen back soon. We'll talk about that in a bit. But you go and lose that game to Arizona. Then you bounce back. One of your better games the entire season against San Jose. And then you give up two shorties. Against Dallas. I realize, you know, fluky things happen, two shorties in one game, but you know, they just didn't match up to the to Dallas that you know the way that you needed to. And so last night to go down uh 2 nothing, 650 into the game, you just thought, gosh, what is it with this team? And uh, you know, they put it together. What changed? Well, I think two things. One is it was so early in the game you got that feeling that hey, there's a lot of time left. But I think most importantly, and I noted this in my article, I think I tweeted it to BK. Uh, yesterday when I got to practice, you look at who's coming on the ice, and it's 10.30 in the morning, and the first two guys on the ice are Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron. O'Reilly hadn't scored in nine games. Perron hasn't scored in 12, and it's not like they're two guys who are always the last ones on the ice. They're among the first most of the time, but they were out there working, passing, shooting, taking some shots off, Who so you know, Tanner's favorite goalie, and oh uh, <laughs> and uh, they're working, they're working hard, and, and I think, you know, that sends a sign, and it's a long season, you know, of course they work hard, so it's not like guys may have taken note of that, but you, Craig Burby said it afterwards, when they got down 2 nothing. he said Ryan O'Reilly started yapping on the bench, and he was pulling the guys together, saying some great things. You wish you had a mic down there on the bench for that oh, that' be stuff, great, right, yeah, and then so David Prawn makes this incredible play, you know goes around the neck, goes out to the point, and nobody else sees Ryan O'Reilly on the ice, but David Prawn hits him with a pass, wide angle shot, hits it. And now they're back going again. And and so I think the leadership of those two guys, that's what changed that game last night.
1: I feel like Ryan O'Reilly is the guy that I've been waiting on because this is not a shot against him by any stretch. First of all, he had COVID and it impacts everybody a little differently. And it seems pretty clear, at least now in retrospect, he was one of the guys that it took a little bit to be able to get over that. I'm not sure if he's over it now, honestly, but we'll see. Um, hopefully he gets better as time goes on. He had zero goals in the month of November prior to last night. When I look at what went wrong for the Blues in this stretch this month, it's kind of as simple as, and there is more to it, of course, this is simplifying things, but Ryan O'Reilly hadn't been producing and David Perron hadn't been producing and still doesn't have a goal in his last few games. Is it as simple as when those two guys who coming into the year, everybody expected to be two of your, what, five best players? When they're not playing at the top of their game or even anything close to it, this is what the Blues look like. And if they're able to get back to that, this team's going to be all
0: right. I think it hurts your team when they're not playing well, but I don't think uh, you can't win when they're not playing great. I think there's enough depth up front, as we've been uh, talking about, that uh, you can still win games you know, when they go six, seven, eight, nine games without scoring. Uh, Especially Ryan O'Reilly, he does a ton of other things that I think help make you successful. Um, But I think when they're doing the types of things that are kind of willing you to victories, you know, that's where it shows up a little more. But they do have to produce. They have to score. They have to. I mean, you can't rely on, you know, Robert Thomas and Tarasenko and all these other guys to score the goals when Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron are eating up those kind of minutes and they're on that number one power play unit. So they have to score. So, yeah, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, you don't want to say benefit of the doubt, but, look, he went through COVID. He admitted, you know, zapped his energy. Even when he came back, you know what Ryan O'Reilly looks like when he's right and he didn't look like that. I don't think he all of a sudden became 38 and can't play right. the game anymore. Uh, so I think everybody felt that he was going to come back and eventually get to that level. And, you know, last night, great goal. You know, did a lot of things for the team. He's He's starting to look like... He's getting closer. Is he there yet? Like you said, maybe not, but he's getting closer. The
1: other thing that I noticed last night that stood out to me as we've got Jeremy Rutherford in studio with us for the next 25 minutes or so, if you guys have any questions for him, text him in the air comfort service text line at six five seven eight zero. Uh, Nico Mikula getting into the lineup for the third time this season. First time since coming back from COVID he's physical, man. He's big and he's physical. And that's what we've been talking about all off season. This blues team needed to find on the blue needed to find on the blue line. Can he be that guy for them? Or maybe the better question is, does he deserve a chance to prove that he is or isn't that guy at this point?
0: I think he does. The game he played last night is the game I expected to see from him like three games from now. So he went through the COVID. He hasn't played since November 4th. He's missed the last eight games because of COVID. And then he was a healthy scratch. And then he goes out last night. He plays physical. He, he, He did have a couple hiccups, but that was knocking some rust off. But he's getting the puck up ice. And listen, I tweeted it last night. When he scored that goal, I don't know if I was more impressed by the shot that he took, which was a tremendous shot. Or the fact that a six foot six, 200 plus pound guy was all the way up ice waiting for Robert Thomas to give him the puck in stride and take that shot and score that goal. To me, he played a great game. You don't want to get caught up in 60 minutes and how he looked last night, but he definitely deserves the chance to be in there. And I really do think that that Blues third defensive pair, and look, they're young and inexperienced with Scott Pernovich, uh, the pair that we saw last night. Can be good, but the Blues need Mikula's physicality. There isn't a bunch back there in the D zone. He's not going to kill guys night in and night out, but they need that extra edge, and he gave it to them last night.
1: If it's not him, then where do they find it? Because I think that's the big thing for me is, like when you look at these Blues defensive pairings right now, I think they've got five guys that I like. I like Perutovic back there right now. I like the top four that they've got with, uh, or those four really. And then if you want to include Scandella as a bottom pairing defenseman, I, I like him there as well. They're kind of missing that one player, that one guy on the back end that can be a potential top four defenseman. If not Mikola, then who?
0: Well, see, that's the thing. And, and I wrote about it. I think it's going to be in a mailbag coming up soon. Um, Nico Mikula, right now, I think you got him in the third pair. Could he climb into your top four? Maybe a little bit. But the question to me is, I think Tori Krug and Justin Falk have to be together. There's just a chemistry there, and, and they just work. So it, you start to work around that. Okay, if Krug and Falk are playing together, what can you do? Skandel and Pareko, it hasn't looked good. I know they went back to it last night. And they won the game, and it was fine. And this isn't all on Scandella. I'm not here to beat up Scandella. He's had his moments where he's played well, and he's had moments when he hasn't. You know, Colton Pareko hasn't played well. So when you have two guys who aren't on their game, the combination isn't going to be good. So could they stick it out with Scandella and Pareko, and you know, they 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 become a pair that you can play? Perhaps, yeah. But. Can Nico Mikula be that guy who eventually climbs into a top pair? I think it's probably too soon. But to me, if you could have a Mikula higher up the lineup and he has to play well and deserve that, you know, then you have your Falk and Krug, and then maybe you have your Perenovich and Scandela, if Scandela's in your top six, you know, and or Bortuzzo. So so to me, they're, they're, just, they're missing a guy who can play with Pareko when Pareko's on his game, whether it's Mikola, whether it's Scandela, I don't know, but I think they're missing that piece. When do they need to know that by? Like obviously, the trade deadline is the
1: correct answer here. But even prior to that, is this something that they need to know within the next month or by like January first to get a feeling of okay, what is the trade? What do the trade candidates look like out there? What could we potentially have available to us? When Wendy, is there a date? Is there a feel? When do you think they need to know who that guy can be next to Pareko?
0: Yeah, it's early. They've played what eighteen games, mm-hmm. so you got the trade deadline still down the road. I think they probably know the answer. A lot of times, you know, I ask the same question, you know, when when do you need to know? You know, they probably know it. They know what Scandela can do. They know what those two guys, uh, you know, Scandela and Pareko can do. Um, you know, but they don't know what Mikula looks like in a long stretch of games, and they don't know what he looks like, you know, hypothetically, if he played with uh, Pareko and, and could he handle that up there. So I think, yeah, there's some time for this to develop and, and play out. In the meantime, you know, Doug is going to continue to scour the trade market and see, um, I, I don't know that it's on this roster unless Mikula really, really steps up.
1: He's Jeremy Rutherford. That's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Want to get to some of your questions on the other side. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line. Also want to ask JR about the big piece that the Blues could be getting back soon with Braden Shin. When he returns, what does that mean for this Blues lineup right now with the way that they're constructed? It's looked really good with Oscar Sundquist on that quote-unquote identity line. Do they mix that up when you get Braid and Shin back? I'll ask JR that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Studio with us for another 15 minutes or so. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service Text line. If you want to get some questions in for JR, we'll get to those here in just a moment. But I have one last question that I wanted to get to. Uh we can kind of go through this together, JR. It sounds like we're getting close on Braden Shin returning to the ice for the blues. He's been skating with them. Now it's a matter of okay, when does he actually return uh to game action? When he does, if and when, I guess the first question, when do you think that will be if you have any update on that? And then secondarily, where do you think he slots into this lineup now that they've got Sonny back as well?
0: Yeah, so he skated yesterday, skated again today. After uh, the morning skate yesterday, we asked Craig Bruby, and he said that Shen is very close. So does that mean tomorrow against Detroit? Does it mean Friday in Chicago? Does it mean Saturday against Columbus? I think we could see him tomorrow. You know, I, I think so. But if not, it's going to be one of the next couple games. And, yeah, so the Blues, uh, obviously, we've been talking about this depth for months. And now, knock on wood, if nobody gets hurt between now and tomorrow in Detroit, the Blues could have everybody healthy up front. And so uh, they're going to have to make a decision on who to pull out. To me, it would come down uh, between Coston and James Neal. And if it were my pick, I would keep Coston in the lineup. I think he's shown a lot. Lately, just uh, every game becomes more and more noticeable, making smarter plays. Uh, James Neal hasn't done a ton lately, so uh, to me, he'd be the 13th guy, the odd guy out. And then it becomes a question, what do you do with Shen? Are you putting him at center or are you putting him at left wing? The one thing I'll say is the injury is undisclosed. You know, there hasn't been much chatter about it. Um, I don't believe it's shoulder-wrist, uh, but I think it's a situation with Shen. Do you want him in the middle? Do you want that workload? Do you want the 200 feet? Do you want him digging down low behind the goal? Do you want him... You know, playing that role, and I think with the injury, the nature of it, uh, they might want to play him on the wing. So, does he eventually get back to center? Uh, he he might, but uh, you know, it looks like he could be on the wing. So, what do you do? You know, I think with the way Brandon Saad's playing, if you put Shen at center, uh, you could have Saad, O'Reilly, – I think that second line could be Kairou, Shen, Buchnevich. We know that Kairou and Buchnevich have had some success. Mm-hmm. And then that keeps together. Barbashev, Thomas, and Tarasenko, when I say keeps together, not lately, but they have played a lot together this season. And Barbie's been great this year so yeah, far. Yeah, real good. He,
1: he's not... I, I wouldn't want to drop him down to a fourth-line role again. Right. I yeah. would want him getting those top top nine forward minutes. I
0: think he can play there. And then that fourth line, if it's Kostin instead of Neal, then you got Kostin You got Sunquist and Bozak on that line. You know, whoever you want to put at center, I think it'd be Sunquist, maybe Bozak plays on the right side, but you could flip those two if you wanted. Now, if Shen goes to left wing, like I suggested, here's just an idea I'll throw out there. Uh, Cairo, O'Reilly, Perron on the top line, that's what they've been uh, running lately. Shen could go to that left side with uh, Robert Thomas and Tarasenko, the pair they always keep together, uh, also on that line. And then you have, quote-unquote, an identity line of Saad, Sundquist, Buchnevich, with Buchnevich subbing in for Barbashev on that line. And then your fourth line would be Barbashev, Bozak, and Kostin. So all in all, any way you shake it, left wing, center for Shen, or whoever's on the third line, doesn't matter. That is deep. It's really deep. I like the first option better
1: uh, because, as I mentioned there, I I like the idea of Barbie getting top nine minutes. I think he has proven enough at this point in time and with what he's done – offensively I, he's too dynamic for me to place on my fourth line where you get to the third period and maybe it changes because now you've got a fourth line that it does have a little more ability out there with barbie uh, but in some of these third periods you're not seeing the fourth line a whole lot right now i, I don't want that to happen to barbyshev i want him to be a guy that's getting out there and rolling consistently even in the third period so i would rather have that route as opposed to having him be the one that drops down to that fourth line with him putting um, Shin on the wing. I also just think Shin's better at center. I think for the majority of his career and this is more anecdotal than it is backed up by stats. I don't have the splits in front of me or anything like that, but I think Shin has just been a better player at center. I also don't know that I would have want him or there have been moments in the past where I don't know that the chemistry has been great between him and Tarasenko, um, so that would be something that I would be a little leery of. They could make it work. Those guys are all good enough to where it would, it would probably end up being fine. But I think my favorite of those that you mentioned would be him at the center position and the way that that's kind of constructed around him. To me, it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, and I'm think? sure
0: I'm sure you could still make it work uh, by putting Shen on the wing and keeping Barbashev in that top nine. Sure. But uh, I'll be honest with you, this took me like ten minutes to figure out, so that might take me ten more <laughs> minutes to figure. out. <laughs> what is your favorite construction? Is there one that you you would prefer? Uh, I think any construction with these twelve guys in there. Yeah, not to take the easy way out, but I, I really do think the versatility, it's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, just like we said about Brandon Saad when the Blues signed him, he can play in your top line. He can play in your third line. And look what he's done. I mean, he's contributed another one on the power play last night. He's he, looked really good lately. He goes to the net. And, uh, you know, I threw out the tweet. I said, hey, is Brandon Saad the Blues best player right now? And, and people reminded me that Jordan Kyrou's still on the team. So, <laughs> so he might. But you can interchange him, too. So I'm just looking at these different names and the different combinations. And, you know, I think uh, you make a good point about keeping barbershop in the top nine uh, but uh, i think any way you construct these uh, you're gonna have a pretty good chance
1: 65780 is the air comfort service text line for some questions while we've got jeremy rutherford in studio jr i like this one from the 314 what are your overall impressions from scott perunovich so far is there anything about his game that has
0: surprised you one thing, it's not really a surprise because you knew it was there, but it's been better than I even anticipated was his passing. And so um, I was in the lower bowl sitting with his folks when he made his debut. And so I got a little better view than I do, you know, 300 feet up in the press box. And he had his head up. And he was making cross-ice passes to guys who weren't quite there yet. So he's kind of catching them in stride, which, you know, I know it's the NHL. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, here's a 23-year-old guy who had never played a game in the NHL, and he's making those types of plays. So what I've seen from him and what just blows me away is how he sees the game and how he's able to put those passes uh, on the tape. So, you know, what have I seen from him? I've seen a guy who reads the game, plays it well, executes You know, are there questions about his size and is he going to get worked defensively? You know, I think the potential is there for it to happen. When you have a Tory Krug and a Scott Prunovich, you know, there's you're going to lose some battles in the defensive zone. But I think I've seen him play fairly aggressive for, you know, as small as he is and uh, and handle himself. So, you know, I think we need to see him a lot more. But so far, so good.
1: At this point in time, I haven't seen a moment, at least for me. Where it's like, ooh, yeah, that size was a big problem for him there. And I'm sure those will come. There will be moments. I mean, we had him last year with Tori Krug, so this is not unique to him in particular. But I think the other thing is the way that they're asking him to play right now, the, the situations that he's been involved in, I think they've done a pretty good job of limiting those opportunities as well.
0: Yeah, I think so. And and you know, but you know, conversely, getting up in the offensive zone. Getting involved in the rush. That pass he made the other night to Bucinevich who gave it to Thomas and they scored, you know, just terrific. So the vision's there. Everything's there. To me... You know, I've kind of evolved as the game's evolved where you know you don't need the two sturdy defensemen who stand at the blue line. Like That's not the game anymore. So what we see from Krug and what we're seeing now from Prinovich, this is what works. But the bottom line is you have to be able to execute it. If you have these smaller guys and their bread and butter is the passing and setting guys up and they're not doing that, then everything's off the rails.
1: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you have any questions for our Blues Insider for the Athletic and 101 ESPN, Jeremy Rutherford, I like this one from the 314 as well. JR, how many point per game players do you think that the Blues could finish the season with? They currently have four that are either at or near the point per game production line. Cairo has 18 points in 18 games. Peron has 17. Thomas has 17. And Tarasenko has 16 so far.
0: Yeah, I don't know that they'll get four. Let's keep in mind they had one last year shortened season, David Peron. Uh, Thomas has made the step. Cairo's uh, made the step. You know, if I had to guess, I think that Kairou can do it. You know, still young. Um, Thomas, he's putting up a ton of assists. He just looks so good passing the puck. Yeah, so, you know, he's a guy who could come close. You know, if you base it on past history, you know, Perron can do it. I don't know that Tarasenko can keep that pace up. Uh, So if I had to guess, I'd say two to three of those guys.
1: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If I set the over under a two and a half, what would you take?
0: Two and a half on that question. Yeah, um, I think I would go
1: under. I think I would go with two. Yeah, it's under. just such a difficult thing yeah, to accomplish. Yeah, super hard.
0: Look, uh, before Pran did it last year, the last guy to do it was Demetra in the early two thousands. Really? Yeah. So That's crazy. It just doesn't happen.
1: So yeah, I, I'd say under. Uh, from the nine eight zero, Jr. How much concern should I have as a Blues fan about Jordan Bennington's three goals a game average of late? How much, how much concern is there about Bennington in your
0: well, mind? Well, I'd be concerned a little bit, but, you know, you deal with save percentage more with the goalies than you do the goals against. You know, you give up three, four goals. You know, one of them, two of them could be power play against. It could be a situation where a bad line change and, and Bennington gets exposed. Look, has Jordan Bennington been terrific this season? No, but I think he's been good. You know, he's stolen you a couple games. Winnipeg, you know, the other night he played well. I think Craig Bruby's made the comment a couple times that, you know, we need to come up with the save at times, and and that's true. He needs better, be better. He'd probably tell us that if he were sitting here right here. But what I saw in Dallas was a goalie that played well, and the team didn't play well in front of him, and I've seen that a few times this season. So I, I'm not here to say, you know, Jordan Bennington is a top three goaltender in the NHL but I think he's a good goaltender that you can win with when you're playing well in front of him.
1: I don't think he's been part of the issue. Um, I, I think that you could, if you're asking for more from Bennington, totally get that. But I, I don't think that this team's where it's at right now because Jordan Bennington has been bad. I think Jordan Bennington has been slightly above average and he's going to have, have better moments the rest of this season, but I I don't think he's been the issue. Uh, This one comes from the three, one, four as well. Uh, guys, who would you start in net for these games over the next three dates? you got Detroit tomorrow night. You've got Friday night at Chicago. And then on Saturday, you have that back-to-back coming home against Columbus. How would you set it up between Huso and Bennington?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And Huso's playing really well, so you want to get him in there. Um, you know, I don't think he anybody's talking about him becoming the starter, but I think that when when you, you have to note, recognize well, that— Well, you haven't been around Tanner long. <laughs> I now. haven't been around Tanner. Yeah, what do you mean? <laughs> When he's playing as well as he has, you have to take advantage of that. And so, whether it's giving him a spot start here and there, I know they have a schedule they try to stick to. You know, I think you have to do that. Uh, To answer the question, gosh, you know, Bennington's played here a few games in a row, seen a lot of shots, bailed the team out a lot. Do you give him the rest tomorrow in Detroit, Eastern team that's, you know, not playing great? Um, Tomorrow might be a day that you go to Huso. So we'll see. The only thing is, if you go to Huso tomorrow, and you split up the back-to-backs. Now you've got two
1: out of the next three with Two Huso or three
0: or and, and do they want to do that? They might want to do that. I don't know. But uh, if you go with whoso tomorrow, you're going with whoso probably in one of the back-to-backs. And, and so, you know, how they divvy up that back-to-back, I don't know. But to me, I would think you'd try to go Bennington two out of these three, but, but we'll see.
1: Next week, by the way, just out of curiosity, staying on the same line of thinking, when you've got Tampa back-to-back... Not in straight dates, but you've got Tampa on Tuesday and Tampa on Thursday. And then the same thing Saturday versus the following Tuesday with Florida. Uh, do you consider divvying those up? One who so one Bennington as well? Or do you just play that as you normally would, given that it's not a true quote unquote back to back?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think you'd probably split them up. I don't have the numbers in front of me how each goalies played against each team. Obviously, who small sample size anyway? Sure. Um, but yeah, so they're not true back to backs, you know, night after night. But, um, you know, against the same team. I mean, you don't want to trot out. Uh, one goalie, he gets lit up, and then you come back with him, you know, two nights later. So I think there's a chance they could split those up. But man, you're looking uh, a week ahead. I'm trying. To figure I, I was out just tomorrow. curious because we're not going to be in on <laughs> right, uh, in
1: on the show for the for the next few days. So I wasn't sure what the uh, what that would look like for them, or what you would project for them. JR, we always appreciate you coming in studio, man. What can people find over on The Athletic right now for some of your Blues coverage over the next uh, 24 hours or so before we get to Thanksgiving?
0: Yeah, so we had part one of the mailbag a couple days ago, and then today there's uh, five random thoughts off of the Blues' recent stretch, a little bit up and down. We got part two of the mailbag coming out soon, a little Tarasenko accent to it. And uh, Braden Shen, what are the Blues going to do when Braden Shen comes back? We just touched on it, so I gave you the scoop on what the article is going to say. And uh, I think later in the week, uh, we're going to have some fun. What's the Blues roster look like in 2024, 2025?
1: Oh. Is Ryan O'Reilly part of it? <laughs> Can you answer that for me? <laughs> That's the big one. I'm looking forward to reading that for you, man. I That's haven't started
0: up. on that article, so tell me uh, tell me if he should be.
1: I, I mean, I would love for him to be here. Is it going to require a no-move clause? Because <laughs> I don't know, man. I've seen that go uh, sideways a couple of times. Yeah so we'll see is is matthew kachuk gonna be here oh man oh now now we're um. getting into the weeds (laughs) he's jeremy rutherford find his work over at the athletic you can follow him on twitter at jp rutherford enjoy having him in studio geico asks how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance of course you would and when it comes to great rates on insurance geico can help like with insurance for your car truck motorcycle boat and rv even help with homeowners or renters coverage